Welcome to the Grace South Bay Church Podcast. I'm Matt Cabot, your host and elder at Grace South Bay. Each week we have a Q&A conversation with our pastors about their sermons. We talk theology and we get into the Bible. And we discuss how to live out our faith as Christians in Silicon Valley and beyond. Today we continue our conversation on our sermon series from Leviticus. In a sermon titled, Check Your Calendar, Pastor Bob unpacks why God would command his people to set aside time to feast. How do these feasts become holy convocations, and does this commandment still apply to us today? We'll answer those questions and more today as we dive into Leviticus chapter 23. We're talking resting and rejoicing. Glad you're with us. Let's dig in. So, Bob, in Leviticus 23, the Lord God speaks to Moses and commands him to set up regular times to feast. But these were not just any feast. They were to be holy convocations. So how does a feast become a holy convocation? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question, Matt. Um, you know, th- a few different things we see uh, that make these a holy convocation. I mean, of course, one, they are specifically commanded by God. You know, I mean, this is this is God God's initiative here. Um, and it, it's inclusive of all Israelites, uh, wherever practicable. But uh, the idea was is that the the whole congregation of Israel is called uh, to to the event and and uh, t- to the feast or the rest. Um, it include worship. Uh, that you know there there was some uh, some kind of addition of acknowledging God and worshiping Him in praise, in sacrifice, and prayer. Um, something like that. And, you know, it was typically uh, aligned with God's acts in uh, creation or redemptive history in terms of, you know, Mm -hmm. God providing uh, great weather, God providing rest from work, God providing salvation uh, from Egypt. Um, So, yeah, I mean, this is not only uh, just acknowledging God for his salvation, but also for just his goodness Mm. uh, in in the providence of creation as well. So those things all together can turn a a normal, you know, feast into a a convocation, a holy convocation. Mm. So you mentioned rest, and the first holy convocation listed in this chapter is the Sabbath, a weekly day of what the the chapter says, solemn rest. What does right. solemn mean here? Yeah, I think here uh, the solemn is something um, adjacent to holy in the sense that there is a, it is a, uh, contains the sense of being set apart. You know, mm. this is not common. Um, this is not sort of like just the usual run-of-the-mill thing. There's something intentional and, and thoughtful about this. This is intentional, thoughtful rest before God, right, and and not just sort of uh, decompressing uh, in front of the TV or, you know, whatever, mm. but this is intentional, thoughtful rest before God. So it's not just and not simply, not only recuperating, um, but it's also reconnecting. Uh, reconnecting with God, reconnecting with you know our our overall purpose and meaning um, in in life and in history, and I think those sorts of things make this solemn and not just kind of like a usual common thing. So one of the things we've talked about in this um, sermon series podcast is that you know some of the stuff in Leviticus applies to just the ancient Israelites, some of it applies to us. So is this a commandment that still applies to us? Yes, it does. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the Ten Commandments, right? 
for for resting. Yes. Yeah. So so um, and okay, it's in a commandment, so it's not just a suggestion. And right. <laughs> uh, if it is a commandment, it seems like we in the Silicon Valley have no problem breaking this commandment. In fact, on the contrary, we are actually rewarded for doing so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting, Matt, that there's. I mean, certainly. Um, you know, this is not a, this is not a, a just a simply Christian or Jewish idea of rest. I mean, any you know, uh, biologists, scientists, uh, anthropologists, people who work on on human beings would say, of course, rest is important. And I think people in Silicon Valley recognize that as well. I think maybe mm-hmm. some of the issues here is uh, the proportion and the pacing. Um, because you know, people here. I mean, when you get together with a bunch of people, they're oftentimes talking about their vacations. Right. Mm, I mean, they're talking about yeah. what they did that weekend at that, you know, so um, it's not only work, work, work. I mean, there there is a lot of valuing uh, time away. People take sabbaticals. I think there's more I, I think there's more sabbaticals t- t- taken from, you know, private enterprise here in Silicon Valley than in many places mm-hmm. uh, in the country. Um, so there is there is a, a value to uh, rest, some form of rest. But one of the issues with uh, the biblical commandment to rest is the proportion, which is one in seven or one to six, right? One one rest day to six work days, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a challenging thing. Probably that's not found in Silicon Valley, that high of, of a proportion to rest. And then mm-hmm. it's also this idea of, of pacing, that it's it's every week. You know, it's not... I'm going to work really hard for four months, and I'm going to take two weeks off, you know. And so, so people in Silicon Valley can kind of do that, like they just they work themselves ragged for months and months and months, and then they take a, a really nice vacation or an extravagant vacation. But here, God has instituted a pace mm-hmm. to our, our our work routine, a rhythm, and and that rhythm is every seven days you rest. Um, and then finally, you know, what a real difference between biblical rest and Silicon Valley rest is that, you know, biblical rest doesn't mean just do whatever you want, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and whereas obviously Silicon Valley rest is we're going to go on amazing vacations and we're going to go and eat and drink all this awesome stuff. And, and you know, it, it's, it's all about filling up my Instagram feed with really cool pictures. Um, you know, to really kind of prove to myself and to others, you know, what an awesome life I have. I mean, oftentimes mm-hmm. that's that's what our vacations can turn into around here, and uh, and that's not God's concept of rest. So, you know, there there are some real challenges uh, to you know resting the way God commands um, in Silicon Valley and 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 really around the world. But yeah, I mean, it it is it's it's frustrating that here you are rewarded for not resting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a, it's a challenging thing. How do we, how do we receive and, and follow God's Word? Yeah, I mean, you talk about pacing. I just picture if, if life here in the valley is a, uh, a lap around a track, and we're actually, you know, maybe we're walking and our competition is running. <laughs> right. Doesn't that like it causes anxiety? And, and is, isn't the competition going to just beat us if we yeah. if we walk and they run? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's why this is the the, the Sabbath observation is always talked about as a a sign among the nations uh, of God's special relationship and covenant with His people. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this this is an act of faith. Mm-hmm. Um, resting the way God calls us to rest is is really an act of faith, and it, and it, it you know in Silicon Valley this is one of the things that could really distinguish 
Christians uh, from their neighbors and co-workers is really taking this command very seriously and mm-hmm. and truly resting as God calls us to. And, and it really, you know, it, it does come down to this issue of faith. Like, will you really trust God with the things that matter to you. And mm-hmm. and here we're talking about career and income and and all these things and there's there is a lot of anxiety around it. And so, I mean, you know, imagine ancient Israel, right? It's the harvest time. It's mm-hmm. the Sabbath. Do you go out and harvest or do you rest in obedience yeah. to God? It might rain the next 10 days. Right. You know, what what are we supposed to do? And the question is, will you trust? Mm-hmm. And so, trusting God means that by you're going to rest and you're going to you're going to reconnect with him, but then you have to, you know, leave it in his hands to make sure that the the productivity doesn't suffer, right? And that yeah. you are able to uh, keep up with the the competitors and coworkers and whatever else. And you know, the the times when I've been very um, scrupulous about this, uh, you know, and we might get into it in, in a second, but. There is a when you plan in this kind of rest, there is a, a another level of productivity that happens in your life, and mm. and that maybe it's just you thinking about it and being intentional about it. Maybe it's God's spirit like really pouring into you so that you can do everything you need to do, um, and 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 He's responding to your faith with blessing you. Mm. But you know, I've experienced this where it's like I I can't take a day off, and I do, mm. and. It's still the work gets done and it gets done well. And so it really is sort of trusting God with, okay, you know, you've called me to this job. You've called me to this place. I have this mortgage, you know. Um, Mm. I'm trusting you that you will enable me to continue to, you know, be productive and, and do what you call me to do in my work. So that you know, my family will continue to have a home. Right. Um, this is this is real serious stuff. It is. Well, let's talk about productivity for a minute because that is it's a really good point. Um, I heard someone say that the valley is filled with people who are insecure overachievers, mm, and yeah. that their self worth is tied into productivity. I mean, none of us wants to be lazy. So how do we how do we balance those those things then? Yeah, yeah, and I and I like I said, I I I hope that you know people who are productive, and that is Silicon Valley people and people in our church, uh, that they could see this as a challenge. It's like, okay, you know how productive you need to be in order to truly rest. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, take this as a challenge. Yeah. You know, yeah. right. like, organize your week in such a way, kick so much butt mm. that you are going to be able to rest. Uh, for one whole day, and trust that God is going to make you so productive that your team absolutely needs you, and and mm. will give you whatever you need. Your right. boss, your team, whatever. Like, okay, you need a day of rest. Fine. Like you, you bring so much value. Uh, to this organization, to this team, whatever, um, that, that you, you know, you get that day of rest if you need it. You know, mm. so it's like, think think about productivity that way. Um, but, you know, Matt, we, we were made to, to work, you know, I mean, we were made to be productive. That's, mm-hmm. that's part of what we see in, in Genesis uh, 1 and 2, right? God has good work for us to do. Mm. Um, and that's a, that's a big part of what it is uh, to be human. And, and you're right, none of us want to be lazy. And in fact, you know, laziness is always trashed in the Bible. Right, right? Right. I mean, particularly think of Proverbs, right? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the, the fool and the lazy person are basically the same person, right? So, mm. you know, it's wisdom and foolishness, 
that are juxtaposed and and laziness and and hard working ness is you know also juxtaposed in, the, in a similar way so laziness is next to foolishness hmm. um, in proverbs and so yeah absolutely uh, we we are not called to be lazy um, but what rest can help us do is it can teach us to not uh, let us be defined by our productivity or our you know or let productivity tell us our worth right by by mm-hmm. intentionally putting rest into our weeks we are kind of pushing back against that Silicon Valley gospel against the, the Silicon Valley heresy really mm. um, that you are your work and your productivity defines you by 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 adding in rest intentionally we are we are recognizing I mean we should all recognize that yeah this is the air we breathe and we struggle with this and so I'm going to be intentional about resting and you know here's the other thing Matt so you know Proverbs says you know work 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 and that's that's what the wise person does and then Ecclesiastes is like well, <laughs> it's all vain, all vanity. Why do I mean, it? So Proverbs and Ecclesiastes yeah. are wonderful counterpoints, but but you know Ecclesiastes yeah. says in the end, look, who's going to get all the stuff that you that you made and built yeah, up, right? right. Right. What, but what it says is, look, just just enjoy the work that you've been given. You know, like it, it doesn't tell us to not work, mm-hmm. but it tells us to not find our identity in our work or in our productivity, and don't put our hope in our work, mm-hmm. right? So instead, you know, fear God and just enjoy enjoy what He's given to you. Enjoy the work that you've been given and set your hands to it. Um, mm-hmm. But but don't don't trust in your work and productivity. Don't rest in it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I would also just add that you know. For the, for the people who do struggle uh, to rest in a biblical manner, um, that might mean they also struggle to really accept grace, you know? So hmm. being able to—I mean, we are called to rest in Jesus, yeah. rest and rely upon Him alone for salvation as He is found in the gospel. That's what our second membership uh, vow says, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it, if we struggle to rest, then we are probably, you know, have some kind of struggle to really accept grace. And so, again, mm. for people listening, I would, you know, urge you to kind of consider that. Consider your relationship with rest and 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 therefore your relationship with grace and, and mm-hmm. with God's love for you. And, and, and think, think about that. Mm-hmm. Well, so one of the major themes in Leviticus that we've discussed is the idea of holiness. It's all throughout well, all throughout the Bible. Uh, but how is holiness exhibited in rest? Yeah, you know, when you are resting um, in the way that the Bible commands, um, that, that, is, that is holy, that is practicing holiness, because, you know, you really are setting yourself apart for God. And and in obedience to his commands, and that's and that is the idea of holiness. Holiness for for us is being set apart, um, setting apart ourselves uh, to be in full alignment with God's character and will. Um, you know, so it's diverting everything toward Him. And so, you know, first of all, like we work hard, but we we have no idea what it was like to work, you know, mm. in in subsistence ancient farms so like uh it was it was harder for them to rest uh then you know if you if you if you weren't if you were concerned about starving it was hard to rest um and so you know to to stop and to rest is is really to say i'm going to um leave my anxieties at the door or or, you know i'm going to ignore my anxieties in some way or another fight through them um in order to do this 
uh, for God and obedience to God's commands in order to draw near to God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that's one of the reasons why the, the, the day of rest is linked with the day of worship. Because, you know, what does it do, Matt, to our worship on Sunday morning if, you know, we got a lot of work to get back to in the afternoon? You know, like we we got these emails to do, we got, you know, this project that's still waiting, whatever. And it's like, if we can really set aside our our whole day of worship for true intentional rest, Mm. then when we are at gathered worship, you know, and, and listening to the Word of God and and praying and singing and taking the sacrament, like um, we we have sort of shut the door to the tyranny of the urgent and to these other anxieties. They're there. We're going to get mm-hmm. back to them, right? But for today, I'm I'm saying no, and I'm resting in God, and that will give us a, a deeper, richer worship experience as well. Okay, I'm going to channel my inner Larry David for this next uh, question. <laughs> the passage says that God rested. On the seventh day, Larry David might say, ah, did he really need <laughs> did to he rest? really need to rest? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that word need is 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 the key word there. Right. And, you know, what does God need? Uh, does he need anything? And, mm. um, you know, we, we don't get the sense that he does. Uh, it's not it's not revealed to us that he needs something. He says, if I needed something, I wouldn't tell you. That's one of the things he says, Israel. So, so you know, take that. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, what? what's interesting is, you know, Genesis 1, it seems like God is um, telling the story of the, the forming and filling of the earth in such a way as to help Israel, help the Israelites identify with him and, and understand work new. In, in a new way, because these were slaves, right? And they had, you know, really very little control over their time, over their work, over their bodies even, mm. right? And so so now God is saying, look, I worked, right? I, I worked when I was working on creation. Mm. Um, work is a good thing. Work is a, is a noble thing. Work is a godly thing. And I rested, right? I want and I want you to rest too, right? So, mm. so God is, you know, sort of. There, there's an anthropomorphizing happening here. In fact, it says God stopped to catch his breath on yeah. the seventh day, right? I mean, that's like yeah. more of a literal translation. Right. But it, but it, it seems like this is written in order to teach us about the rhythm of life, the rhythm mm. of of a week, uh, and what's really good for us and what we are made for. And the other thing is that, you know, what, what God seems to do on the seventh day is really be able to take in and enjoy, look back on, on the creation week and, and, you know, sort of scan over it and just really enjoy it and appreciate mm. it. And again, you know, is, can God appreciate, can God get all, you know, enjoyment and appreciation out of the work as he's doing it? I don't know, probably but you know, did he need to stop in order to enjoy his work? I don't think so. Right. But yet he's he's pattern he, he's creating a pattern for us, and he's and he's giving us an example because that is what we are to do. We are to stop, and and the the rest day we are meant to look back at all that has been accomplished and all that God has done uh, through us and for us, and we're supposed to be able to say that is all very good, mm. right? And so so that's what God is 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 doing for us. He's he's creating this pattern for humanity. That's the primary thing that's being, one of the primary things being communicated in Genesis. And it, Genesis 1 is not interested in the question, in Larry David's question. Genesis 1 is not interested in, in answering that question. Right, that's for right. the philosophers. Yes, exactly. Okay, so how does, how does rest demonstrate our freedom? 
Yeah, well, you know, it's like I said, um, when you when you're when you're talking about, I'm going to leave the 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 urgent and and the the anxieties that I have, I'm going to leave that outside the door. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's at the door, but I'm not going to deal with that right now. And and if you can just say no to those things for you know a day, like that's freedom, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you you yeah, because right. what we what we experience, particularly with technology now, how technology you know, reaches into every moment of our lives uh, through our phones and, and, and smart devices and everything else, right? There's, we are always at work uh, in some sense, or we can be at least if we allow it. And so uh, to, to rest, you are actually, you know, intentionally sort of breaking away somewhat from work and from the tyranny of the urgent and all the demands and these kinds of things. And you're saying no. And oftentimes, mm. uh, you know, the greatest act of freedom is saying no. Yeah. Um, and so it, that in that sense, then, you know, rest is this gift to us, right? It's this, mm-hmm. it's this gift that God gave to us that, you know, ex- you have freedom, right? You are not simply a working animal, right? And so, and mm-hmm. so you have freedom here to be something other than a worker, um, and th- and that's that's wonderful when you can experience that. But you know, like like we talked about, a lot of our people and a lot of people in Silicon Valley and elsewhere in the world mm-hmm. f- can feel like slaves to work, even though it's good work, right. you know. And even though they get paid very well and it affords them a nice life, they they're still in some sense not happy because it feels it can feel like a certain kind of slavery. And so when you practice resting, you are practicing a certain kind of detachment and freedom from your work, and it's something that humans need. Yeah. No, I, I, I 100% agree. Uh, so in addition to resting, this chapter talks about rejoicing in the form of feasts. Is it safe to say that God likes a good party? I think that's very safe to say. I mean, first mm. of all, you think about, you know, you can sometimes say that, look, God is a party, right? God is mm. triune. He's three persons who are you know, uh, constantly um, fully involved uh, with each other, interpenetrating, uh, glorifying each other, submitting to each other, giving everything to the other. Um, so in that sense, there's there's this deep, rich, satisfying community uh, in the Godhead. Um, I might say that outside of that, um, God loves throwing a good party. Um, mm. God is God is the host of every other party. He's the host, <laughs> and uh, and but and and it seems like you know and in general when we think about God, like God is the host, right? Like he he wants creation to come to him. He wants us mm. to come to him and celebrate with him and before him, right? But but more than just liking a good party, God loves throwing a good party, mm. and uh, and and thinking of God as this gracious. A generous host who who just wants to lavish his guests with the best of everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is who God is, you know. And I and I think about you and Millette, Matt. How you like? Mm-hmm. You, I think you guys like to host a party more than go to a party, you know. We love and, hosting uh, parties. <laughs> you guys are fan, you guys are fantastic at it, and that's yeah. one of the reasons why hospitality is called is mm-hmm. specifically named a spiritual gift because not everyone has that gift, um, mm-hmm. but but hospitality is really uh, imaging God, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's one of the key ways of imaging God is by welcoming people in and, and treating them uh, with just, you know, kindness and respect and care and, and, and meeting their needs, right? This is who God is. And so he mm-hmm. loves throwing a good party, a great celebration. Well, let's talk about that. It's an interesting idea that um, how is feasting then a way to tell God's story? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, so you are, I've said it um, in a, a few years ago, actually, in the Exodus sermon about this, but it's, you know, it's using God's stuff to tell God's story, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we're feasting, you know, we are, particularly in the, these Levitical feasts, you know, people were bringing animals, offerings, or just money to buy stuff uh, to feast before God, right? But they're they're using these gifts of God that they have received in order to celebrate um, God's great acts mm. of salvation, right? And the major mm-hmm. feasts were around the Passover and uh, giving of the law and, and the first harvest, and then the 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 final harvest of the year, um, and and celebrating God caring for them in the wilderness, right? So there there it was certainly the agricultural year, but then on top of that was sort of these these great acts of mercy and salvation that we see in Exodus, and so coming together. And, and sort of acknowledging that and being intentional about that, rehearsing that, that story probably, mm-hmm. praising God for that, um, you know, and, and then even some of the things that you eat and, and, and like in the Feast of Booths, you're living in a tent, you know, yeah. or a lean-to, right? I mean, you're doing certain things that kind of help reenact or help bring back to memory these great acts. And so that's part of what these feasts are about is, is sort of getting it into Israel's mind and conscience in all kinds of ways, not just from the written scripture, right, mm-hmm. but in all kinds of ways helping Israel really uh, ingest literally and metaphorically, you know, these God's story in their lives. Mm-hmm. So we, we should make a distinction. I mean, we, as a church, we like to, to party, but we like to party with a purpose. It, yeah. it, it should feel different when the church does a feast or a party than... Um, uh, a group that that are non Christians who who don't praise God. So how do we actually party with a purpose? Yeah, and you know, and I think that that's a great question. And and um, you know, and non Christians, I think, can party with a purpose too. It's it's mm-hmm. not necessarily the same purpose or or the fullest purpose, but oftentimes, right? We um, we party without a purpose. <laughs> you know, like yeah. so. That's what the what what the Bible calls dissipation. Mm. Um, you know, we're we're eating, drinking, be merry for tomorrow we die. It's about kind of right. forgetting our troubles, detach, distract. You know, stick your head in the sand. Right? It's like, hey, life is hard. Let's escape for a, a few hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that is that's the worst. I mean, that 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 is just a, a really terrible use of time. Um, So, you know, parting with a purpose is not sticking our heads in the sand. It's it's not an escape. It's actually kind of a, 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 it's a change in perspective. It's saying, okay, we're coming together and we're going to take ourselves out of our normal routines and whatever else, but we are going to gather together intentionally to celebrate what God has done or what God right. is doing. Or we're going to celebrate our community and our fellowship uh, that we have, right? We are going to break bread together and uh, and give the thanks and praise to Jesus. And so what it does is it moves us, I think of it almost as like kind of pulling us up and giving us more of like a 40,000 foot view of things, you know, like mm. we can get really tied into the details of our day and our week. But when we gather together to feast, to party with a purpose, we're able to kind of stick our head up maybe out of the clouds Mm. or whatever and recognize, oh yeah, that's right. I'm a part of something bigger here. 
Yeah. I'm a part of a community. I have brothers and sisters who care about me, and and you know I belong to a God who lavishes me with good things, uh, and and who invites me to uh, a heavenly banquet, and that's where I'm going. Uh, and so today I'm being reminded of that as we are feasting together, right? So yeah. that's what's going on there. It, it, it you know it, it's intentional, um, and it, it's the opposite of, of 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 you know distract, detach, escape. It's so interesting when you talked about us hosting, and we do love to host. When I get done at the end of the night, and it's been a long day, I always talk about it takes about five miles of walking on a day when I'm wow. hosting an event. But I'm I'm energized. It's so yeah. life-giving. But I can imagine that if, if, if it wasn't with this larger recognition that this was all given to us by God, and, and that... God's Spirit is moving within our community. I could see how it could be life-draining, but our feasts are not like that. Yeah. So in general, I mean, I found this this sermon life-giving because, again, I love to rest and rejoice, uh, but I suspect not everyone felt the same way. We probably have some people in our congregation and listening to this podcast right now who might be uncomfortable with the idea of a feasting God or, or even parting with a purpose. So what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, you know, first, I would, I would want to, you know, just be very gentle and pastoral, but at some point, you know, talking about the way Jesus came uh, in his ministry, right? And, and Jesus intentionally came feasting. John the Baptist, he came sort of as an angry prophet, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and Jesus, Jesus says, it's like, look, John the Baptist came, you know, neither eating nor drinking, right? And you call him right. a, uh, I forget what he said, but, you know, I came eating and drinking. You said, here's a glutton and a drunkard, right? right. A friend of tax collectors and sinners, right? Oh, John the Baptist has a demon, right? right. But, but, I'm a, but I'm a glutton and a drunkard, Um mm. But, you know, so Jesus was trying to show how abundant and generous God's love was. And, and he was, uh, you know, really, re- he was enacting the Jubilee, right? The, the Jubilee mm-hmm. promise of, of people being brought back out of slavery into God's house, right? And so this was, this was meant to be a celebration, a feast. Everyone's invited into God's house on, on the terms of their personal repentance, um, so yeah, this this the partying wasn't you know it's when we party it's not celebrating ourselves or our accomplishments it's celebrating God's great victory and love for us mm. and to to recognize that you know this is this is what this was Jesus' strategy uh, in the first century like this is how he came eating and drinking and so you know in, in, in addition to that I would probably wonder you know what was what was it like in their childhood were they allowed to celebrate mm. you know yeah um, were they celebrated. Right, I mean, like, were, yeah. were they taught that life was a gift and and something to celebrate and enjoy, or was it, you know, what was the theme and culture of their household that hey, the world's a dangerous place and and we need to do everything we can to control it, and there's lots mm. of fear and there's lots of management going on. Um, you know, you and I like the idea of of, of a feasting God because mm. our families of origin feasted. In, mm. in ways that we found life giving. I mean, there are, there are people who come from feasting families that you know found it very damaging, right? So, right. but our families did it in a way that that was life giving and and yes. not harmful. And so, therefore, you know, a feasting God makes sense to us. And I think it's what we find in Scripture. Um, but you know, there are people come from all different kinds of scenarios, and you can come from a from a place where it's like this is scary, like yeah. this feels unsafe to me. 
mm-hmm. um, for any number of reasons. And I think that that would be great. That that's great stuff to kind of continue working through and considering. Like, okay, you know, what were you taught, and and how does that impact? Not even taught necessarily. What did you catch from right. from the culture of your home, and how might that Im- be impacting? the way that you think of God, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's easy for us to, you know, think of God like the older brother and the prodigal son does, right? I mean, he's just a right. taskmaster, and he doesn't he doesn't feast, he doesn't party, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, well, that's not the God we find in Scripture. Um, so how have you been taught to, to, to struggle with this and to not feel safe with that? So... You know, but but for you know anyone like that, it's it's all it's always so important just to be you know kind and yeah. and understanding, and and that's why we don't only feast right as right. a church. Exactly. You know, we, we right. do other things. We do we other do. things as well because we know it's it's actually not everyone is going to connect that way. Right. Um. There are there are you know we are gonna we 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 feast every Sunday at the table, right? I mean, so so there are some mm. feasts we are not going to not do, um. But we're gonna be patient and and care for all the sheep, recognizing that not everyone's re- ready to feast yet on a, on, a, on a Friday night with pork yeah. bellies. and, and uh, There you go. And what are those buns called? Bow? Bow. I can't, I can't wait. Hey, it's coming up. <laughs> well, Bob, you told me that I would... You texted me and said, I think you're going to like this sermon, and, and I did like the sermon. <laughs> but I like all your sermons. Oh, thanks, so, man. <laughs> anyway, thanks, thanks for your time again uh, this morning. You got it. The title of Bob's sermon is Check Your Calendar. It's part of our sermon series from the book of Leviticus. You can find that sermon and all our sermons and this podcast on iTunes and Spotify and on our website at gracesouthbay.com. We hope that these conversations are helping you develop a closer relationship with Jesus. If you have questions about the Christian faith or just need someone to talk to, we've got pastors, elders, youth leaders, and a women's care team ready to help. We're just an email or a phone call away. If you have a prayer request, you can also go directly to our website at gracesouthbay.com and submit your requests using the prayer button at the top of the website. And if you're new to Grace South Bay, we would encourage you to fill out the Connect card and one of our pastors will reach out to you. And of course, if you're in our area, we'd love to have you join us for Sunday morning worship. We meet at 9 a.m. at Crossroads Bible Church in San Jose. We'll be back next week with another episode of the GSB Podcast, so stay tuned, stay connected, and be encouraged knowing that nothing can separate you from God's love. We look forward to our next time together. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks for listening.